wrote to uh, the church in Coloss, the Colossians, uh, as he guides them and impresses upon them the importance of putting Jesus first. Jesus first in their lives, Jesus first in the church, Jesus first in their families, Jesus first in all things, what it looks like to put Jesus first, and also the importance of putting Jesus first. Because here's the deal, we learned in, in, in week one that the city of Coloss there was well known for its temples and its shrines. Uh, that were being built there. There were all kinds uh, of places of worship uh, that, were, that was available to the people there that lived in the city, uh, some of which were, uh, had some Christian aspects to them. They actually uh, would profess that Jesus uh, did come. And, and, uh, but then there were others that were just based on uh, old traditions, old rituals, superstitions, things like that. Uh, it was like there was something for everybody there in the city, and you could pick and choose, uh, you know, whatever. It was kind of like, uh, you think of it like this, like the Golden Corral <laughs> buffet of places to worship. Uh, so many different varieties. It was like, you know, whatever you preferred or whatever you believed, or whatever worked for you, then there was probably a place of worship there for you. Uh, and the most important thing was this. They wanted everybody to just accept everybody else and their beliefs and, and their opinions and all of that. And so uh, it, was, it was commonly accepted there that, you know, you could worship at that shrine or you can worship at that temple, and that's all well and fine if that's what's good for you you know, then that's good for you, but just don't try to force that on us, you know, and, and uh, you know, so all this was going on there in the city, and, and the Christians there in Colossus, they understood the importance of Jesus being Lord. They understood the importance of, of, of Jesus coming and the, you know, the death, the burial, uh, and the resurrection. They understood the importance of being followers of Jesus, but here's what was happening. There in the church, the culture around them was beginning to influence what they were doing. The culture around them, with all these other different options and everything else that was going on and available uh, to the community there, it, it was beginning to affect the way uh, they looked at God. It was, it, it was beginning to influence the church in, in negative ways. I, I mean, think about it. Here's what it probably looked like. They probably, on Monday morning, went to work with a lot of people that worshipped at these other places and had these other ideas. And so they would get to work on Monday morning, and these people would begin to talk about what an awesome message that they had heard on Sunday. What an inspirational message that it was. Or, or maybe, you know, they would talk about uh, how... You know, how awesome the, you know, the, the band was. And, you know, they didn't, really, they didn't really play Christian music. They played secular music that everybody could enjoy. Right? They, they talked about how, you know, at, at their church uh, that they were going to now, because they had shopped them all around, they had checked them all out, and they found the one that was perfect for them. And they liked it because that's where all of the popular people uh, went. And how it was, you know, when it was over, how they all just, you know, they enjoyed it. They all left. They went to lunch down at the local Mexican restaurant. And they all had margaritas and dollar pitcher beer on Sunday. And how awesome it was that they could do, you know, all that. But, but seriously, what was going on and what was taking place in these other places of worship, uh, the people in the church were hearing about, and they began to, you know, think, well, why, why couldn't we do that? Why can't we have that? And these other things that were going on uh, was attractive to some of the Christians, so they began to try to bring some of that uh, into the church. And it was beginning to seriously affect the mission of the church. It was beginning to seriously uh, affect how they viewed God and their approach toward God and to God and their worship to God. It was almost like they had gotten to a point to where Jesus 
wasn't enough. And there needed to be some things added to, you know, fill that space or fill that need to make it more entertaining, uh, to make it more attractive. Not that they were getting away from Jesus, you know, being the Christ and being the only way for salvation, but this idea that to really thrive in life, to really be blessed in life, to really to find happiness and joy and peace in this life, not only did you need Jesus, but you needed to add these other things to it as well. And, and some of those things that they were adding and being pressured to add in the church were some of the just old customs, old uh, traditions, like, uh, like hymnals. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding for those of you that are anti-words on the wall. That was just a little jab at you. But uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding about that. that. It was these Jewish traditions, these Jewish laws, these Jewish rules that, you know, had always been a part of their past. And, and don't get me wrong, those things weren't necessarily bad things. I'm not saying hymnals are bad things by all means. I mean, if you come to early service, that's all we sing. So if that's what you like, maybe 830 uh, is for you. But these things and, and these rituals and these traditions were nothing more than that. They were simply traditions. They weren't bad things. They were just tradition. They were religious tradition. They were the desires of men and women, right? Think of it like this. They had this man mentality of Jesus plus fill in the blank. And they hadn't actually discarded Jesus. As a matter of fact, here in verse 5 of, uh, of chapter 2, Paul actually commends them for their faith uh, in Jesus Christ. But they just thought that they needed to add these other things in addition to Jesus, right? And, and like Jesus plus their old Jewish laws, Jesus plus some of these old traditions, Jesus plus, you know, some of these mystical uh, rituals and superstitions that were prevalent uh, in their culture that day. And Paul's answer to that here in Colossians is simple and emphatic. No, no. It's not Jesus plus. Jesus is enough. That would have been a great place for everyone to have said amen. Because I'm here to tell you, Paul is here to tell you today, Jesus is enough. And because Jesus is enough, Jesus must be first and foremost in your lives, in your family, and in the church. And he says in Jesus... Here, he's talking about we have the fullness of God. If you have Jesus, don't miss this. He's going to show you how you have the fullness of God. Think about it. He showed us ultimate love. He conquered your ultimate enemy, and he now sits in the ultimate place of power. So once you have him, he is enough. Once you have him, you have it all. Jesus plus nothing else is everything that you need. And so put Jesus first. And as I was planning for this, this series, getting ready for the new year, I thought, man, won't it be awesome to focus on this letter to the Colossians that will be a reminder, that will be an encourager to the church that we should put Jesus first. And the deeper I'm getting into it, by the time we're done, I'm probably going to have this little congregation whittled down to about 50. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it's when you start talking about Jesus first and putting Him first and that He is all that we actually need, you know, people aren't really buying that message a lot anymore. Matter of fact, people don't really want to hear that message anymore. And so we're building these other temples and these shrines around town so that people can hear what it is they want to hear and they can feel good uh, about who they're worshiping and how they're worshiping and what they're worshiping. But here Paul starts to unpack for us this idea of what the church, church must be like, how the church must be. We're talking about putting Jesus first, and we saw very early uh, in the series that putting Jesus first, and, and by, again, this is not popular, you will put the church first because he said Jesus is the head of the church, and the head is attached to the body, and if you put Jesus first, you're going to put the body first. 
And so it's not really popular and it makes people uncomfortable. But Paul begins to share with us today why it is important. And this message today, I'm telling you, is just as important for the church in Greenbrier, Arkansas, as it was 2,000 years ago to the church in Coloss. Paul says this, starting at verse number 8. He says, so in light of that, see to it that no one, here's a warning, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy or teaching. Be careful. He says, here's a warning to you. See to it that no one captivates you, captures you, captures your attention, captures your heart and mind through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on what? Human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. It's this warning of allowing the outside culture to shape the church in the body of Christ. It's this warning here of allowing worldly ways and human ideas and people's opinions, right, and their notions. It's this warning of allowing that to work its way inside the church. And I'm going to tell you, as a pastor today in the world that we live in today, this is a great struggle and a great challenge because we just want to keep everybody happy and hold everybody all together. Right, And when we hear that somebody is not happy and somebody's complaining or somebody wants us to do something differently than the way that we do it, it, you know, it bothers me. You know, is this an opinion? Is this popular? Is this what it's going to take for us to hold it all together? Right? And Paul's saying, you know, we need to get away from that. We need to forget all about that because, you know, there's this warning that we cannot let culture, opinion, and the ways of the world influence and impact the body of Christ to somehow achieve some level of success other than the power of Christ alive and working in us, in our lives, in our families, and in our church. He goes on in verse 9. He says, For in Christ, don't miss this, All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head. Here it is again. He is the head over every power. He's the head over what? Every power and every authority. All right, so what Paul's saying here, in other words, once you have the fullness of God through Jesus Christ, what else is there? What else is there? What else is more important? What else could possibly be more important? What else needs to be added to that? And then Paul goes on to address both those who are looking to these old Jewish laws and religious traditions and then those who are starting to entertain some of these mystical practices and superstitions that are going on around town in these other temples and shrines. Look down at at, at verse 16. He says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow These old customs, these old rules, these old traditions, he says, are just a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So, yeah, he's referring to these old Jewish traditions, old religious practices. And then he touches on these cultural things in verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They will go into great detail about what they think. They will go into great detail about their experience. They will go into great detail 
about something that is not putting Jesus first. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And then verse 20, Paul drives his point home. He says, since you died with Christ, and, and don't miss this, this is what we talk about when we do baptisms up here. The whole, the, the whole baptism process is, is an example of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of you when you accept him. The old you is dead and gone, and you are now resurrected a new life. And Paul's saying here, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why? As though you still belong to this world. <laughs> if you now belong to him, if you now are living your life for him, why are we still inspired by the things of this world like we belong to the world? And then he concludes regarding this in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, raised up, alive with Him, right? Eternal life with Christ. Set your hearts, what? On things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think about it. The right hand of God is the ultimate place of authority and power. Huh? The right hand of God is the ultimate place of power and authority. And so Paul is encouraging us. As your pastor today, I'm encouraging you. Live your life in such a way as you know that. Live your life in such a way that you know your Lord and Savior is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now on your behalf in the ultimate place of power and authority. We live our lives defeated most every day. Lord, help us. We have the power. We have the authority. We have the help. We have Jesus, and He is enough. He is all we need. And so Paul encourages us, live your life in such a way that you know this, that your Savior, Jesus Christ, sits in the ultimate place of power. What other help do we need? What else is more important? What else could possibly be more important than that? He goes on in verse 2. So, in light of this, set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ died, when Jesus died with Him. Don't miss this. Died all of our feeble attempts to try to save ourselves. When Christ died, all of our feeble attempts at a better life died. Bottom line, why do we keep grabbing for and looking for the things of this world and the things of this earth to make our life work? Why do we keep grabbing for the things of this world to try to make our marriage work? Why do we keep grabbing for all these things the world has to offer to try to find peace and happiness in our lives and in our families? Folks, Paul says we should look to Jesus First, we should look to Him because when we look to Him, when we have Jesus, when we've accepted Jesus, don't miss this, the resurrection blood of Jesus Christ is now flowing in your veins as a child of the King of Kings, right? And, and he says, so when we have Jesus, when we have His presence, when we have that power flowing in and through our veins, we possess the One who is the fullness of God. He showed the ultimate love. He conquered the ultimate enemy. And he sits in the ultimate place of power. And if you have him, you have it all. It's Jesus plus nothing else. Nothing else is needed when we will put Jesus first in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in raising our kids. So with that said, what does that mean for us today at a practical level? What does it mean for us? I mean, 2,000 years ago, we know what it meant to the church in Colossus. What does it mean to the church in Greenbrier? You know, we don't really have too many people trying to influence us with Jewish traditions 
or Jewish diets or Jewish rules. Back then in their culture, they were like super superstitious, okay? We're only a little stitious. <laughs> but honestly, I do freak out just a little bit when a black cat crosses the road in front of me. I don't know why. I still do this. My dad was the world's worst. My dad would literally turn around and go a different direction. So maybe that's some of that old tradition. Or old-time religion. I don't even know what you call it, but it was old something. But seriously, well, why am I lying? It's not just black cats, all cats. <clears throat> Freak me out. But seriously, this concern that Paul has for the church in Colossus is just as re- relevant to us today as it was back then. Because many followers of Jesus today are living their lives with this mentality of Jesus plus fill in the blank. It's Jesus plus this will make my life better. Jesus plus this will make me happy. Jesus plus fill in the blank will fix my marriage. Jesus plus blank will make things easier. But Paul would say the same thing to us today. Jesus is enough, and once you have him, don't miss this, you have it all. Once you have him, you have the fullness of God. Once you have him, you have it all. We have one God. And so, folks, because of that, we must have, you know, one priority. Just as Christians, we don't need multiple gods in our lives. We also don't need to have multiple priorities uh, in our life. We talked about it earlier. It's not about putting Jesus first. It's not about taking Him as a priority and trying to juggle Him with all the other priorities in your life. It's not that way. It's like He is the page that you write all your other priorities on. And we, you know, uh, friends, when He is first, everything else on that list will fall into its natural place. It's not that hard. Jesus, when people would push Him and press Him to try to get details out of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ, He finally said, let me tell you something. It's as simple as this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor, and everything else will take care of itself. Let me tell you something else. All of your priorities will take care of themselves as well when we love God with all our heart and we love our neighbors as ourselves. That'll fix your priority problem. That'll fix your priority issue with not knowing what to put first or what should come first. That'll take care of it all. That's what Paul's talking about here. When he is first, everything else will fall into place. The Colossians thought of their lives and probably shouldn't even say Colossians. I'm going to say a lot of people today think of their lives like all these different buckets, right? And over here we've got this bucket that we know is a really important bucket, and we call that the salvation bucket, right? And we know that that bucket right there of all the buckets need to be taken care of, that salvation bucket. And so we've got Jesus for that bucket right there, right? But over here... You've got all these other buckets that you're trying to fill, you're trying to juggle, you're trying to make sure they've got in them what they need in them. You, you've got a bucket over here for things like provision, right? Because we've got to buy groceries and we've got to pay our bills and, you know, we've, we've got all these things that we need. So we've got all these buckets for that. We've got another bucket that we've kind of got to keep filled so that we'll have a happy marriage. We've got another bucket for fulfillment in life. We've got another bucket you know, for, for all these different things. And, and so you need other things for all those buckets to keep it all juggled and keep it all working right. Paul's saying, no, don't miss this. It's not about all the buckets. Jesus is the only bucket. You put him first and everything else will take care of itself. Because, oh, by the way, all those other buckets actually will fit in the big bucket when we put Jesus first, and we understand Jesus is all we need, then Jesus fills every bucket. He'll take care of it all. And so Paul says this to us today. He says this to you today. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Not popular preaching in our world today, right? Am I wrong? 
Some of you ain't liking it already. I can tell by the look on your face. And I'm hot. And Lynette says, when I'm hot, I'm mad. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm mad, but I'm hot. She also says I'm mad when I'm hungry. She also says I'm mad when I'm sleepy. I'm just perfect in the afternoon right after lunch, just so you know. No, I'm kidding. She's serious. I'm not. Um, you know, as, as I was reading this and I was studying this and, and I, I read this and I want to share it with you. Basically, a real simple translation, I believe, of what Paul is saying here uh, to us in this letter, and it's this. Live your life as if Jesus reigns and eternity is real. Live your life like you really believe Jesus is all you need. Live your life like you really believe that eternity is coming and that it's real. How about that? How about that for a life? You know, and here's the deal, and, and you know this, this, this isn't a new revelation to you here today. All right? you, you didn't just look at your spouse and go, honey, <laughs> he reigns. Who knew? This isn't new teaching. That Jesus reigns and that eternity is real is not some new revelation for you. But the problem is this. We get distracted from this. We get influenced by other things and other people. And all these other things get us distracted. We're forgetful. We're forgetful people and we forget and when we forget this, what do we do? Well, we start trying to live our lives with this Jesus plus fill in the blank mentality. Right? We forget Jesus is enough. And so we add all this other stuff because Jesus, you know, we say Jesus is enough. It's a nice little slogan. But we don't really believe it. So we add all these other things because Jesus really isn't enough. How, how about we live our lives believing that Jesus is enough? What does that look like? How does that, how's that change the way we live our lives each and every day? And I'm not going to apologize for this today, but Jesus said repeatedly that the very thing that we try to fill in that blank with most of the time is money and possessions. I told you I'm going to whittle it down to about 50. I'm going to have a group I can manage here before we all get done. And some of you are like, here it goes again talking about money. And again, I, I'm not up here trying to convince you to give more money to the church. Can I just tell you this today? The Lord has all the resources He needs to do exactly what He wants to do right here in Greenbrier, Arkansas. It's not about us needing your money. It's about putting Jesus first. The Lord will take care of His church, I assure you, and I promise you. But Jesus said, the very thing that he competes with the most in people's lives, Jesus said this, not me, is their love for money and the things that money can buy. He said, that's my greatest competition. was 2,000 years ago and it still is today. It's one of the reasons that we felt that it was important to offer Financial Peace University to our church. And praise God, I'm pumped. We had almost 30 people start that program uh, this morning. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in and through their lives in 2020. Because here's the deal. Jesus talked about money more than he did anything else in the New Testament. You may not like hearing about it, but it was Jesus' message to the world. He talked about it more than he did anything else. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, and uh, verse 15, he says this. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he says this, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he goes on to tell them this story to follow that, this parable about a guy building more and bigger barns, right? We don't have that problem today, right? We don't have a problem with people building more and bigger barns. We don't see that much today. Uh, because we've got 
a uh, storage unit about every quarter mile up and down Highway 65. So we don't need bigger and more barns. There are a lot of people around this town making really good money because we're not building bigger and more barns. So that's not our problem. Maybe the storage buildings are a problem. But anyway, Jesus tells this story about the guy who was tearing down his old barns to build back bigger barns. And when he gets his big barns built and his storage buildings built and all this built, he sits back and he says, I have plenty. I have plenty stored up for many years. Jesus goes on to say, and the man said, I'll take life easy now. My barns are full. So I'll take life easy now because I'm living the dream. I've reached the goal. My barns are full. And Jesus says, the man goes on to say, and I'll eat, drink, and be merry. And God replied to him, you fool. You fool. You will die this very night, and who will get everything that you worked for? Jesus says a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth and treasures. And Jesus says, but is not rich toward his God. He says, what good is all that money? What good is all that saving? What good is all that investing if you're going to enter into eternity with none of it? Folks, do you believe eternity is real? If we know that eternity is real, and you truly believe that eternity is real, and that compared to eternity, our life is like a vapor, is it better to invest in the vapor or the permanent reality? Kind of like me planning a trip to Branson. Going to go to Branson, spend the weekend. I'm going to tell you where we're going to stay. Don't judge me. We're going to stay at the Hilton. Because my wife gets points. I don't even know how all that works, but we, get, we got points. If you want to be in a competition, I'll just tell you right now, I got more points than you got. I don't know how she gets them, but she gets them. But we got these points, and so we're going to stay at the Hilton, or we're going to stay at the Hampton Inn. But imagine if before my trip, knowing that I was going to go stay in Branson for the weekend, I decided, you know what, that little room we're going to be staying in over the weekend, I think, I think I'm going to fix that up. I think I'm going to redo that whole room that I have reserved for the weekend because, you know what, it just really ain't right for us to stay in a place that don't have granite countertops. I'm going to get my buddy Travis. I bet Travis can put in some, Travis can do anything. I've never seen anybody like him. Travis can do anything. Call my buddy Travis say, hey, Travis, go up here. I'm in room 321 at the Hilton. Put me in some granite countertops. And, oh, man, why are you in there? Why don't you, why don't you tear out a wall? Because, you know, we really need to open that up. We need that open floor plan. If I'm going to be staying there, I've got to have that open floor plan, right? And you know what? That paint on the walls, that's kind of out of style. Hey, Travis, would you paint that room for me? Agreeable gray is the color I prefer. It goes with everything. All right, agreeable gray, light things up a bit, put in a new fridge, and I want one of them fridges, Travis, with water and ice in the door that works, that don't have a pencil holding it all together like mine does at home, and I want one with a screen on it so I can check my Facebook while I'm getting my water. I want a fridge like that in the room. Might as well put a bal- uh, out there on that balcony, uh, put me a hot tub on there. You hook me up? If I got the money, you got the time, right? And you know, the manager would be like, hey, I I really appreciate you doing all that. I I appreciate you doing all these upgrades, but you're a fool. You're only staying there for the weekend. 
Hey, you only stand there for a few days. Why would you invest so much for a place that you're staying for so short? Set your minds on things above, not the things of the earth, not the things that are temporary. Live your life as if Jesus reigns and that eternity is forever and it's real. And only two things in life are truly eternal. The kingdom of God and the souls of men. There are only two things right now in this world that are eternal. And that's the kingdom of God and the souls of men. And I'm just going to tell you, putting Jesus first means that we will invest our lives toward those things. The kingdom of God and the souls of men. It's kind of like playing Monopoly. Right? What happens when what happens when the game's over? When it's finally over after 23 hours? You know? What happens at the end of the game? Well, it all goes back in the box, right? I mean, it, it don't matter if you own Boardwalk, Park Place, or that crummy Marvin Gardens, right? At the end of the game, it all gets dumped back into the box. Don't, don't miss this. This thing called life might feel as long as a Monopoly game, but at the end, it all goes back in the box. And Paul is saying to the Colossians today, he's saying to us today, you know what, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. You can live as if Jesus reigns. You can live as if He reigns and eternity is real. Or, you can live as if you're sufficient enough to save yourself and you're going to live forever. You can live your life either, either one of those ways. And then he goes on to say there in verse 4, he says, because here's the deal, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Jesus doesn't just give life. He is life and it's forever. It's forever. And if you have Him, folks, you have it all. If you have Him, you have it all. But here's the deal. It comes down to a choice. We have to choose. God gives us the freedom. God gives us the ability to make our own choices. And, and, and so He gives us the freedom to choose what our source of life is going to be. We, we, we get to choose what's going to drive us each and every day. We, we get to choose what those priorities are. Is it going to be Jesus plus fill in the blank? Or is it simply going to be Jesus? And folks, can I tell you something? It's a miserable, miserable life being caught in the middle trying to do both. No wonder people are so discouraged. And so depressed. It's because they're trying to do both. They're trying to balance. They're trying to fill all the buckets. That's enough to drive anybody nuts. Try to keep every bucket filled. It, it's impossible. It reminds me, you know, you're, you're either in or you're out. It, it reminds me of getting in and out of a boat. And those of you that have ever done that, you know there's no middle ground there. Right? You either better get in or you better get out. You don't want to just straddle that dude. Because I'm going to tell you, personal experience, it never ends well. Huh? Never ends well. And for Frank, for some stinking reason, it always happens in December or January. Huh? <laughs> it's either in or out. Church, this morning, as your pastor, I, I want you to look into eternity today. Do you believe that eternity is real? I want you to look forward into eternity and see who rules eternity. Because there, your life is not going to be determined by the stock portfolio that you've built here on this earth. Or whether you got your jersey retired hanging in the rafters somewhere. It's not going to be determined on whether you had a second home or you retired at age 50. It's simply going to be determined by Christ. It's simply going to be determined 
whether you lived out His will and whether you pleased Him and if you were a good steward with what He gave you for the purposes that He gave it to you for. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. (laughs) And He says this, if you will seek Him first, Jesus says, seek ye first the things that truly matter. That's the kingdom of God and the souls of man. And Jesus says, seek first these things. He says, and all the rest will be added to you. It's about that bucket. That bucket we just keep for safekeeping because it's the salvation bucket. We need We know we need to keep that bucket around. Jesus says, let me tell you something. If you make it all about that bucket, all the rest of your buckets will be filled. Maybe not with gold. Maybe not with money. But everything that you need to live out this life that he's called you to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Yeah, but Steve, I need help over here. He's all you need. Steve, I need help with my kids. Steve, I need help in my marriage. Steve, I need help in my finances. Steve, I need help. Jesus plus nothing is everything that you need. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. And can I just tell you today, friends, because I've proven him, Jesus can be trusted. He can be trusted to keep his promises. Put away your trust in other things that you think is going to make life work for you. Put away your trust in all those things of the earth and set your minds on Christ. Put Jesus first. He reigns. Eternity is real. That's all we need to know. We need to live our lives as if we know that and we truly believe it. And that's the challenge to us this morning. Again, it's easy to get distracted. Me as your pastor, I battle this this daily. What do we need to do? What do we need to add? What do we need to change? What would get them to come back? What would get them to stay? You know, and all all these things. And, and, And what are we doing? Just saying Jesus plus this is what we need. No, it's just Jesus. I'm gonna preach Jesus. I'm gonna preach Jesus first. And I understand that That's not popular in building a church, but it's the truth of God. It's the way it must be. And we'll all stand and give an account one day, and I'm not exempt from that. I'll be judged even more critical than any of you will be because I've been placed in a position of care over you. And so I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to stand up here and tell you what God wants you to know. So this morning as we close, maybe somebody just needs to come and nail that down. Maybe that situation, maybe you just want to bring, (laughs) maybe a difficult walk, but maybe today you just want to bring all those buckets with you. Dump them in the only one that truly matters. This morning I invite you to come as we close. We're going to spend some time in prayer and we're going to pray for some of our people we got some families that are hurting some families that are going through some difficult times so this morning if you'd like to come and pray or maybe something you'd like to bring and pray about or maybe you just need to drag all those buckets down that aisle today leave them here before you go I invite you to come this morning as we close
God, this morning, forgive us because we forget. Forgive us because we get distracted. Forgive us for trying to make it Jesus plus whatever it is we try to add to fix our lives, to fix our situations, to prepare for the future. God, thank you for reminding us today we need to be reminded. That song we sang earlier, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. God, today I pray that you would uh, forgive us to turn, for turning to other things besides you in our time of need. Thank you for this reminder today. It's not always easy to hear the truth, but we need to hear the truth. And we thank you for the truth. I thank you that we have the truth. I thank you that our Savior reigns, and that's enough. Because you reign, and you are in the most powerful place of authority and honor. We as your children inherit that as well your blood when you adopted us as sons and daughters your blood flows through our veins now we have your DNA in our hearts and in our lives God forgive us that we would forget that but God thank you so much for the encouragement today in knowing that in knowing that we are the sons and daughters of the king of kings and that is enough. Relationships around us may be falling apart. The bills may not get paid this month. The health report may not get any better. But God, in perspective to who you are and who you are to us, and in light of eternity, God, it helps us to see more clearly this life is like a vapor, your word says. Help us to see it as that. Help us not to invest in the vapor, but to invest in things that are eternal. And that's your kingdom. And that's the souls of men, women, and children that we come in contact with every day who don't know you and don't have a relationship with you. God, today some people have come today and maybe they've They've dragged a lot of those buckets that we talked about because there's so many things in life that pull from us, drain us, try to get us uh, our attention on those things. And God, it's not that we don't believe in Jesus. It's not that we don't call ourselves followers of Christ. But God, thank you for helping us to see today that the most important thing is the Jesus bucket. And that when we fill that bucket in our lives then that's more than enough I pray that you would help those who came here today that feel like they're in bondage to something something to this world or, or whatever it may be God we sang earlier about the freedom that we have in you I pray today that some people would experience that freedom in their lives before they leave this place God I pray for those in our church today that are hurting We've got some that would love to be here today, but because of their health, because of accidents and tragedy, they can't be here today. They would love nothing more than to be here with the body of Christ today. God, I pray that wherever they are today would be filled with your presence. Would be a sanctuary of your presence today, and they would know that you're there, you're real, and you're all that they need in their situation that they're facing. God, we continue to pray for the other churches around us. God, help us and forgive us if we ever look at these churches around us that are proclaiming the same message we are, if we ever look at them as competition. 
Because, God, they are nothing more. They're our partners. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, God, we pray that you would move in their midst, that you would move in their lives, that lives would be changed, families would be restored, not just here in the Nazarene church, but all across this community today, that there would be victories won in houses of worship today. God, help us to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is you being known in this world and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared and proclaimed. And God, that happens in our churches each and every week. But the most important place that it must happen is out there in the school hallway out there at the workplace, out there in the restaurant, out there in the places that we go. God, I pray that you would find us faithful and obedient to share who you are, to share the testimony of our lives and what you've done in our lives and that you are enough and you've proved it over and over and over again. Because there's a world out there that's hurting, that's grasping, that's trying to fill up all these different buckets. So, God, I pray that you would help us to share with them the most important thing, and that's Christ and the kingdom of God. That Jesus reigns and eternity is real, and I pray that we would live our lives according to that truth today as we go out from this place. Again, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this encouragement today. Yeah, sometimes it... It's challenging and it cuts and it hurts. But God, it's, it's so encouraging to know that we have you. And when we have you, that's enough. And it's in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. The one that's sitting at the right hand of the Father today on our behalf. We ask these things and we pray. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.